Welcome to the Unsophisticated Palate, a podcast about all things wine, beer, and spirits. Join us each week on our journey as we drink and delve into different alcohol-related topics. I'm Mark. I'm Erin. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Or as we should say, Slancha. 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 Um, and we're joined by Erin this week. We're mixing it up. Uh, so welcome, Erin. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Awesome. And and as we get people on, we like to ask them about their drinking history. So tell us about your drinking history, Erin. So growing up, of course, with a name like Erin, I am very Irish. Um, I um, was always intrigued by Irish beers. And um, as a young person um, in college, I... Um, started drinking some spirits, was not a fan of the spirits. Um, and so I tended towards beer, um, mostly Guinness actually, um, because family, friends, everyone just had Guinness on hand. And so it was easy to drink. Um, well, if you're Irish, you're drinking Guinness. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I started with beers and, um, kind of tended from there. And then, um, more recently, within the last eight years or so, I've gotten into some wines. Nice. I have um, family members who are in the uh, who are more familiar with wines than myself, and so I learn from them. And I'm excited to be an equal opportunity beer and wine drinker. There you go. You got to mix it up. Yeah. <laughs> share the share the alcohol with well, I don't know something like that. <laughs> <laughs> However, that works. Sure. Awesome. All right. Well. This week, well, not this, well, I guess it's this this weekend, mm -hmm. um, is St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. So, happy St. Patty's Day. And, Erin, I mean, since I've ever known you, we've always called you Irish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I may I may refer to you as Irish occasionally on the A show. A name well-deserved. Definitely well-deserved. <laughs> um, so, with St. Patty's Day coming up, it was mm -hmm. fitting that we talked about Guinness. And uh, to talk about Guinness, you really got to kind of start talking about stouts, which mm -hmm. is the type of beer that that guinness is um and so to in honor of saint patrick's day and the irish that's what we're talking about today cool yay <laughs> so um first and foremost kind of uh, uh kind of what is a stout and um i guess uh we're we're gonna well let's just start by defining stout which is a style of beer mm -hmm. i think most people know that much um it's usually made with a roasted malt, then that's going to give it a darker appearance. And a lot of times it's described as described, 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 one or the other, uh, described as having the flavor of coffee, dark chocolate, sometimes even kind of tobacco flavors, you know, so it, it's, it's definitely a, a darker flavor beer, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, and now there is some confusion and debate, actually, depending on who you're talking about, there's either a lot of debate or no debate on, and, and so we have to address this briefly, at least, a stout and a porter. Okay. So there are people who say, well, first of all, a porter is a very similar beer, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it was called a porter because it was popular with porters um, at the time. The people who are, you know, moving things around, carrying around, that's the type of beer that they like to drink. Um, and really, um, kind of, if you really break it down, um, there was a time when a stout was a stronger porter. And the word stout 
actually um, comes from originally meant proud or brave. So, um, you know, and then after the 14th century or so, it started really kind of being known as strong. So if you're stout, you're strong. And um, so a stout was a strong or generally higher alcohol, higher flavor, bolder porter. Um, depending on where you fall on the whole debate, that's still true. Some people say um, it's not because, I mean, you will have a stout that's got a much lower alcohol level and lighter flavor than a porter and vice versa. Um, so there's people that are kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, the, the debate on the internet was interesting <laughs> when I did the research. Yeah, that seems pretty interesting. Um, just because the, with the higher alcohol, you have that darker color, but that's not always true for for the wide spectrum of beers. Sometimes the lighter beers actually have a higher alcohol content than some of the darker beers. So it it, it sounds like just color alone doesn't um, doesn't classify it as that stronger beer. Yeah. So, Alcohol really content, cool. color doesn't, yeah, does not make it nor not make it a <laughs> stout nor a porter. So if you really, I mean, get down to it, there's really no difference. Now, again, I probably just got somebody upset by saying that, <laughs> but but really when it comes down to it, the, the line is very blurred. Let's go with that. Okay. Um, but that's kind of that. That's kind of what your stout is. Um, the first known use of the word stout, because we, we know I like my history anyway. Um, in 1677, in the Egerton Manuscript, which I have no idea what that was. I'm assuming it was a newspaper or periodical of some sort. Um, and uh, they said that they the um, that's when the word stout was first used. And again, it was kind of more to refer to a strong beer um, and, and really not necessarily a dark beer, um, which is what it's more connotated with today. So that is kind of high level, our stouts. But there's several different kinds of stouts within that. So yeah. talk so, about it. So there's about five different um, types of stouts, or at least five main different types of stouts. There's a milk stout, an oatmeal stout, a chocolate stout, oyster stout, and an imperial stout. So starting with the milk stout, um, there's lactose that's added um, into the um, the fermentation of the beer. Which I found interesting because that's, I mean, they're actually using like, I mean, when they say milk stout, it's not just a name. It's mm -hmm. like literally milk is, is part of the fermentation process. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting because you have it, it's adding a, a specific type of sweetness um, and it changes the, um, the body of the beer itself. And so it's, it's a little bit creamier. And I guess this is where um, some people are, have, have claimed that this is the type of stout that you should be giving to nursing mothers. Yeah, which is, well, once upon a time, I don't think anyone's recommending. Well, maybe they are recommending. They are, that. Still, are is recommending, that still recommending. Because of the beer yeast, which helps milk production or brewer's yeast, they are still recommending um, nursing mothers do drink alcohol. And um, the darker beers, yes. Um, I haven't necessarily heard milk stout specifically, but a dark beer. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, I actually prefer um, an oatmeal stout, um, and it's a, it's a stout that's actually prepared with oats during the brewing process. And then again, that's another one where, where you just, you hear oatmeal stout and you think, oh, it's just a name, but it's, it's not. There's actual oatmeal in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so it started in the medieval 
period in Europe um, that oats were common to to bring into the ale process. And so they brought it into the stout process as well. And sometimes they, um, when they're talking about an oatmeal stout, they're just trying to bring it into a name. And so it can be as few as 0.5% of the um, oats are included in the process. Yeah, because the oats make it, if I understand, or from what I understood, make it like a lot more bitter. And so if you put a lot of oats in there, you end up with a very bitter beer. So they Mm -hmm. put some in there, I guess, to get the name. Yeah. Kind of, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I found the chocolate stouts really interesting as well because um, different than the previous two where the um, the type is actually included in the process. The chocolate stout name doesn't necessarily need to have chocolate in the process. It more refers to the coloring of the of the roast, um, but it can include chocolates, but it doesn't have to. Yeah. Well, they had me at chocolate. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. just saying. Um, although it, you know, again, yeah, they can have a chocolatey flavor without it. But again, it, I think, it, like you're saying, it's really more about like the color and the the. I don't know, I guess the colorish. I don't know, because mm-hmm. if there's not really chocolate in there, but I guess you can still have chocolate flavor without having chocolate. I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm just stuck on chocolate. Carry on. <laughs> uh, so an oyster stout um, emerged from the 18th century when oysters were um, a popular food to have in taverns and um, public houses. Um, and so they came up with the idea of bringing the oysters into the brewing process I personally have never seen an oyster stout or had one. So this is kind of a curiosity for me. What would it be like to have an oyster stout? You know, I've had some. I've had a few. Um, and in it, now, again, some are actually called, like, originally it was called an oyster stout because it was meant to be drank, drunken, mm-hmm. partaken of <laughs> with imbibed. oysters. Imbibed. There you go. Imbibed with oysters. Um but uh, now they actually, as mentioned in there, they'll actually put like real oysters or they'll grind up some oyster shell in there. And I've had some of them and you can actually taste like it's got that little hint of oyster in there. And I know some people, I, I find it interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll drink it and I'll enjoy it. But it's not like, I don't know, my, uh, um, it, it, it's it's got to be an acquired taste. If you like that little hint of oyster in there. You're going to love it. If you don't... I will stick to my milk and oat stouts. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> and your Guinness, of course, which we'll get to. Sure. Uh, the last one is an imperial stout, which comes from a Russian imperial stout done during the 18th century. Um, and it was... Um, it started in London, but it became popular in the court of Catherine the Second, And... Um, this is actually quite popular in some of the craft breweries, um, but it's not necessarily popular in wide um, stout culture. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and you, I've heard of the Imperial Stout, but um, I didn't know a whole, whole lot about it. And other than, you know, it, again, what, what I'm reading here, which and it, I guess it usually also had kind of a high alcohol content. Um, and so I've been at a few... Um, brew fests or beer fests and uh now and and some people will gravitate towards those just because they want the higher alcohol content Mm -hmm. but i'm just like you know hey you know drink drink what makes you happy and what you like the last type of stout is actually a dry stout and um talking about those the porters versus stouts this actually um came out of the porter brewing and that you were brewing a drier porter but now it's called a drier stout 
Um, and it starts with milk or a, a sweet, um, a sweet stout uh, becoming part of the brewing process. Um, and these are kind of more popular in the English and American um, stouts, as well as the Irish stouts tend to be of the dry variety, mm-hmm. including our famous Guinness. Yes. And that's, I mean, I, and I think when people think of a stout, um, actually, I guess stouts are, from what I've seen, they're making a little bit of a comeback. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of stout varieties out there, but for most of the history of time <laughs> i think people have known a stout as a guinness it's, mm-hmm. it's like i mean it, it kind of goes you know you, you can't have one without the other i guess i mean again at least in rare form um so it's really kind of dominated the market for mm-hmm. a long time and 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 i think especially well not i don't think i know in ireland right that's like if you just order a beer that's what you're getting mm-hmm. yeah if if you order a beer in ireland you are most likely going to be getting a guinness yep um, did you want to start talking about uh, the Guinness piece or? No, go for it. Dive into Guinness because this is this is your your expertise. This is uh, I, I've I've learned on the stouts, but you know your Guinness. All right. So um, the famous Guinness Brewery in Ireland was founded in 1759 by Arthur Guinness, um, and it's really interesting a lot about him because he was kind of a a self-made man he was a a man who worked at a different brewery and then when that person retired then he he took his wages and purchased the guinness factory and he has this amazing lease of 45 pounds a year for nine thousand years and that's still what they pay today yeah which is amazing a nine thousand year lease i mean first of all that's like thinking ahead, right? Right. And and at forty five pounds a year, I mean, you're not gonna lease land. I think anywhere really for that these days ever. Yeah, and so what's what's really interesting is what he started thinking about was the um, the culture in Ireland at the time. He believed that the working man was um, really kind of suffering under the idea that gin was the most popular alcohol at that time and so he wanted to introduce a um a a porter or a stout um really at the time it was called a porter um that would help the working man um be healthier for him be more widely available much cheaper on his pocketbook than gin and not really affect him as strongly as gin right i mean gin you're probably getting a lot more severely drunk than with (laughs) a guinness well it's a higher alcohol content even though people think guinness has a high alcohol content it really doesn't Doesn't. um but even if it did it's still significantly lower than a gin and you're gonna need to drink a lot more as well so you're gonna tend to drink less of it or or i guess you can drink more of it and still have a lower alcohol content anyway yes it's definitely going to be healthier than chugging gin all day let's put it that way <laughs> yeah so he so arthur guinness really started this for um really the the culture in ireland but it's had a worldwide effect that there are currently 51 breweries worldwide there are um and there are it is enjoyed in 150 different countries in the 1800s it was the largest brewery in the world they currently pro- uh, produce what is it 50 million 
barrels of Guinness per year. That's a lot of beer. <laughs> 10 million glasses of Guinness are enjoyed every day. Every day, 10 every million? Every day, yes. Wow. And, and well, I'm assuming there's an exception on, on St. Patty's Day. That's got to be at least... Probably 20 million. Yeah, I'd say at least twice that if I had to make a guess. That's a lot of Guinness. Yeah. So um, there are a lot of interesting facts about Guinness itself. Well, um, can I get a fun fact I learned on, on, on good Arthur? Arthur yes. Guinness. I learned two interesting fun facts about Arthur. Number one, uh, Arthur had 21 kids. Oh, those good Irish Catholics. <laughs> he imbibed in his beer and uh, enjoyed his life, <laughs> apparently. So 21 young ones. Um, and not just because of that, but apparently he was like a genuinely like good, well-liked guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was called Uncle Arthur by like the town, the people, everything. So to this day, if you were to walk into a pub in Ireland and ask for an Uncle Arthur, they would pour you a Guinness. Wow. Yeah. So I thought that that was kind of fun. That so just some did not know. a little Arthur history there. The mm-hmm. guy's a little prolific. <laughs> that's why they, maybe that's where all that <laughs> Guinness drinking was coming from. He's <laughs> building his future clientele. Mm. So as far as a Guinness pour, everyone knows that a Guinness pour is worth the wait. The perfect Guinness pour should take around two minutes. I saw that. That's nuts. <laughs> Yeah, and what's really interesting is the way that the glass is designed. If you if you look at this glass that you're enjoying your Guinness out of right now, yes, it is um, curved much more so than the traditional pint glass that I have. And yes. on a Guinness glass, you'll have the the famous Guinness harp. And what you're supposed to do is take the glass, turn the glass at a 45 degree angle, and the 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 brewmaster or the the barman is supposed to pull the the tap. And the alcohol needs to hit the harp. Oh, interesting. And then fill it about two-thirds full, put it on the put it on the bar in front of the patron, wait till the full head has appeared, then you continue to put to pour the top. Then you finish the pour. Because it's a very foamy beer. Lots mm-hmm. of head on a Guinness. Yes, and that head actually comes from the nitrogen process um, mixing with the beer. It's not actually built into the beer itself. It's, um, yeah, it's part of the brewing process, which is actually quite interesting because if you go to different um, breweries around the area, they'll actually um, advertise a nitro brew or they'll take a, a regularly carbon... I've heard of that. Okay, yeah, nitro brew, yeah. Yeah, and so actually Guinness was the first one to do a nitro brew because Guinness is done on nitrogen. Yeah, and that's one of the, the, the unique things about it. It's a, I, I read this, it's a... Nitrogen to carbon dioxide mix of 75% to 25%, mm-hmm. if that helps anybody in any way, shape, or form knowing that percentage. But it's still very interesting because most beers are, are natural, get their their um, carbonation naturally from the brewing process. But they actually came in um, and added that nitrogen to give it a little bit more of that. So and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a sip of this because it's this is good Guinness. Um and but oh, and the other thing I did read though before I take a sip is, um, if you are pouring your own and or uh, even if the beer tender, beer tender, bartender <laughs> pours it for you, sets it on the counter. Ideally, you should drink your Guinness when you can see a clear division between the white foamy head and the dark black beer. 
So if your your beer st- still looks a little murky, a little dark brownish or, or whatever, you need to kind of just wait and be patient. So Guinness drinkers are patient drinkers, apparently. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, and actually, I have another fun fact. Um, yeah. So Guinness is actually quite charitable um, and specifically around um, their their own people. Um, during World War II, um, Ireland was still part of um, the UK. They hadn't officially, officially become the Republic of Ireland until the mid-50s. So Guinness actually, from their London brewery, um, they promised every soldier in the British um, British military a pint on Christmas Day. Nice. But they promised this before they knew they could fulfill it. Uh-oh. <laughs> because a lot of the um, the Guinness factory workers were actually stationed overseas. And so... Oh, because I would... Yeah, I would imagine they would have lost a lot of their staff and everything um, to the war. Yeah. So... In order to fulfill, they actually put the word out and a ton of retirees came back and a lot of other veterans who quickly learned the process pitched in to help fulfill this promise that every British soldier got a pint on Christmas Day. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. That And that, that's a good Christmas for them because, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to figure that, you know, it's rough. to It can, can not have been good to be there. So just that little small, and I've never been in the military, but I can imagine that just that little small touch of home mm-hmm. on such an important day probably meant a lot. Yeah. And I was uh, digging into that a little bit further. I thought that that was a really great thing because there's other countries right now that still do that for um, uh, military individuals stationed overseas. Um, but during World War One, it was the time of prohibition. So there was oh. no alcohol. And so for this to happen during World War Two was a huge shift in policy. Yeah. And so they were welcoming of um, Guinness's promise, Guinness's statement to do this. Yeah, bring on the beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, because they were just like, yeah, we believe that this is fully going to lift the spirits of our men and... And more power to them. So Yeah. Well, and they also were a big pioneer. I think their second brewery that they ever opened was in Africa. Is that, that correct? And there's they sell a lot of Guinness there. Yeah. 40% of the production of Guinness actually comes from um, some of the factories that they have, or breweries, I'm sorry, breweries that they have in Africa. They have one in Nigeria, which is their largest brewery. And then they also have one in Ghana. Um, but it's interesting that you bring that up because Nigeria actually has their own type of Guinness, which is a extra, extra... Um, is that correct? Uh, maybe I don't know. This is new to me. It's a it's a higher alcohol than um, traditional Guinness or even the extra stout that is um, that you'll see in the traditional stores. It's of an alcohol content that's around ten and a half percent. Okay, okay. So they they like it strong. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Well, I, I, I wonder if they have that uh, stateside here. Some extra extra Guinness. I'll have to check that out and look because mm-hmm. that sounds. Uh, Fun and interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Well, do you have anything else on uh, on on Guinness? Um, oh, I do want to mention one other kind of quick thing before I forget. And this is on just stouts in general. And I failed to mention this earlier, but I think it's important. Is that the reason for its dark color um, in the beer um, is there was Daniel Wheeler. And he invented a new roasting kiln in 1817. Um and that allowed them to uh, roast the barley at a higher temperature. Um, and that got it a much darker color. 
um, and that uh, and a more intense flavor, um, and that's referred to as a black malt. So you've got this darker color, a um, little bit more intense um, malt that you got from the barley now, and then that's how you get the darker colors and the darker and the stronger flavors and and things that come into make it a stout a stout mm -hmm. but uh anyway uh before we uh, we're gonna talk real quick on um some things you can do with guinness but uh, anything else before we jump to that i mean um well as we kind of move into the um the the pairings that you can have with guinness um it's interesting because a lot of people tend to shy away from guinness just because they see the the dark color they see the thick head of the guinness point pint and they think oh it's a really thick heavy beer and it's actually not it's actually quite light um as far as calorie intake it's 125 calories i saw very light in calorie and i would agree that it it, it looks like this heavy imposing strong beer and it's really not um it's just the color i think more than anything else yeah, the, the coloring is what, what gives it its uh, main characteristic, but it is quite light. It's actually less calories than a Bud Light itself. <laughs> um, but it has the nickname, or at least my cousins in Ireland have given it the nickname of a pint of cake. A pint of cake, okay. pint of cake. And actually, when I used to um, be a uh, work at a, a brewery, or, sorry, not a brewery, a bar, um, in South San Jose, Cupertino area, um, if you wanted a birthday cake, we would pour a Guinness and use the two different pourings and put a candle in a straw and the on the second pouring, it will float because ah. the, the head is so thick that it will keep the candle in place. Interesting. And so it, it becomes, lives up to its full name. It's a pint of cake. A pint of cake. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's fun. Um, yeah. And that brings us into, I mean, Guinness is, uh, I mean, it's not common. I mean, it's not unheard of. But uh, not common for beer to be uh, a mixer in a drink, right? Usually you drink a beer because it's a beer. So Guinness, it definitely is, uh, I think, a bit more of an exception than others. So I, I know you've got some of the top um, ones, and I've got a few here. So, so what are the ones that, that you've got? So there are four um, that are mainly seen in the pairing world with or the mixing world with Guinness. And one specifically is it's called the Half and Half. And it has a, another name that people have called it, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Yes. The half and half of, is paired with Guinness floating on top of bass, which is a, um, it's an English lager. Mm -hmm. Then there's the black velvet, mm. which is Guinness floating on top of champagne served in a flute. Yeah. And real quick, because of, I mean, we say it's not that heavy of a beer or whatever, but it is a different consistency yeah. than a normal beer and that's why you can like pour some champagne and then you have to be careful you got to do it right but then you pour the guinness on top and you will get that i mean they don't blend together there's a total line of separation in between the two which i think is really cool <laughs> and what's interesting is having done these myself when i worked at the bar um you need a special spoon in order to do it you usually Pour the first alcohol that you're going to mix with it at the bottom of the glass. You pour that first. And then you take the spoon so that the, the Guinness actually hits the, the flat side of the spoon or the, the concave piece of the spoon. And then it will disperse slower than if it was to go into the glass itself. And that's what helps give the layering effect. Yeah, because you can't just full on pour it in there or no. it won't do that. But yeah, I think that that's just, I'm sorry, I just had to pause there because I think that layering effect that you can do with it is mm -hmm. just visually 
super cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's really pretty. I wonder if you could do that with a, a couple of beers. A oh. couple in the same glass. And, and do a triple. I would imagine if you could do it, somebody's done it. But that it doesn't mean I we can't. I haven't seen it, but yeah. that would be really cool. All right, there's an experiment. Yes. <laughs> so the last type that is most popular is called a snake bite, um, which is Guinness floating on top of cider. And and when I was familiar with this, usually it was a pear cider. But mm-hmm. um, I've seen more recently that you can pair it with Excuse me, a, a Strongbow Cider. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's talk about... Well, actually, I want to talk about two other ones that are good. And then we'll talk about some that are a little bit more controversial, if you will. Mm-hmm. So um, the first one I saw is a Dublin... Uh, a Dublin... A Dublin Iced Coffee, mm-hmm. which is uh, coffee, Guinness, Irish whiskey, and cream. And you have to put in the Irish whiskey if you're going with that. You can't... No bourbon, no other whiskey. It has to be Jameson. Even. Jameson. Okay. Noted. So that's your Dublin iced coffee. One I just stumbled across that just looked like pure sweet heaven, which is a Nutella Guinness chocolate shake. And it was basically cho- ice cream, Guinness, Nutella, whipped cream, and chocolate sauce. And I think I might have all of the pieces to make that. That, that looks... I, it just looked that heavenly. That sounds really good. Right? <laughs> I'm yeah. like, how have I not heard of that, right? Um, you just oh. need some cookies in that, and that would be a full meal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it actually would be. Um, and then there is also the dark and stormy, um, which would be rum, ginger beer, um, blueberry syrup, and generally a stout. But if you're going to do a stout, make it a Guinness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now we'll start. We're going to delve into there's, there's three that are beverages but they, they they get a little controversial because um just of uh some of the stereotypes and and some of the history behind them so one is is we're gonna we're gonna ease into this um the drunken leprechaun which is you know mm. i guess not that bad but you know it's a leprechaun but again it, it it reinforces the stereotypes of of course the drunken irish which are all stereotypes but that would be a guinness and whiskey um and generally, too, what I've heard is you order your Guinness, then you order your whiskey. Don't blend them. And you have to finish your Guinness before you can drink your whiskey. There's apparently a rule. Um, but don't order a drunken leprechaun. Just order a Guinness and a whiskey <laughs> and do it right, right? Yeah, unless you want a black eye. Unless you want a black eye. Yes, exactly. And, and again, th- this is some stuff that... that some let's just say young naive and we won't we'll leave it at that not stupid and and actually some again naive i think is it because i was ignorant of some of these things mm-hmm. um like we we call it the half and half earlier which is what you should call it mm-hmm. it's more traditionally or has been traditionally known as a black and tan do not ever walk into a bar in ireland or any irish traditional irish pub and order a black and tan this is this is your psa Never do this. Yeah, and, and honestly, just just never ever do it. And and I think it's important to talk about why though, because it's like, why don't you do that? Because a lot of people think, well, you know, you have the tan color of the beer and the blacker color of the darker beer, and that's why it's called a black and tan. But it actually um, was the nickname of the British paramilitary force um, that uh, kind of had a lot of, let's just say, suppression of the Irish independence movement. And I think suppression is a very 
kind term because they were not very yeah, kind. It was it was very much more so than just suppression. Um, the black and tans um, were known in Irish uh, in Ireland. I'm sorry, um, as kind of these vigilante. They're paramilitary, which means they they function outside of normal military rule. They um, they had just come back from serving during World War One. It was post the Irish Rebellion in 1919, and and these these paramilitary forces were sent in to quell the rebellion and and at any cost. And they were basically given carte blanche to do just that. And there were a lot of um, towns that were burned um, at the the hands of the Black and Tans. Oh. People killed innocent families. I mean, it, it was brutal. It was brutal. And um, and they were kind of known as the Black and Tan because they were paramilitary, again, outside the military. And so they generally didn't have traditional uniforms. They were tended to be pieced together. Mm-hmm. So they would have a khaki, like, um, pants and a dark shirt. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where they got a little bit of that, that Black and Tan name. So please call it a half and half. Uh, from now on, and we were not going to use that word again. Half and half. Half and half. Half and half is Guinness floating on top of bass or a any type of lager. Yes. Easy peasy. Remember that. And another one thing to never, ever please order, and I'm guilty of having ordered this because, again, being young and naive and stupid, um, the Irish car bomb. And that's a Bailey's and whiskey mixed together dropped into a half a glass of Guinness Order it that way, <laughs> um, or again, come up with a new name. Um, but really, um, I mean, we all know car bombs are are just bloody and violent, and they also had a very big piece in Irish history. Again, if we want to choose more delicate terms, we can call it the Troubles. <laughs> um, but if you really get into it, it's a bloody, gory, bad um, piece of history that we don't need to glorify with a drink. Yeah, thank you for that. I yeah, because I mean, as a as a young and innocent 20, 21 year old, I myself had Irish car bombs when I did St. Patrick's Day. But but now um, realizing the sensitivity around these are the the troubled times for the Irish Revolution, really just in the the twentieth century overall. Um, really, is a time that we should re- revere with sensitivity and not celebrate with a drink. But so this weekend, go out and have a drink, have a half and a half. Yeah. Have a Guinness beer. Well poured Guinness beer. Well poured. Have a stout. Enjoy yourself safely and responsibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but do not order any of the drinks we have aforementioned because we're not going to use those those terms again. We don't need to. Did I mention the the black and blue, or as it's also called, the dark side of the moon? Uh, I do not, but I know that that I was drinking a straight Guinness today. You were drinking a I black was and blue. Drinking a black and blue, and and this is usually what I order if I want a, kind of a sweeter version of the Guinness. Um, I will do Guinness floating on top of Blue Moon, um, which is, it's really great. Takes out some of that bitterness of, um, of the Guinness, which it's not entirely bitter. Um, but it just gives it that added kind of orange flavor, like chocolate oranges. Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. it's it's quite great. And I didn't know that it was also called the dark side of the moon. So I I'm like going to start using that now. Although, you know, there's no dark side of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> There really isn't. If people, it's, it's, there's, you know, the far side of the moon, but the moon rotates. It all sees sun. There's a myth that one side Pink of the moon. Floyd. Nev- 
Pink Floyd was wrong. I'm sorry to break it to some people and maybe breaking some people's hearts, but the nerd in me has to say there is no dark side of the moon. There is the far side of the moon, which is true that the Earth, from the Earth, you never see that side of the moon, but that does not mean that side of the moon never sees light. It rotates. All sides of the moon get light day and night, or I guess day and night. Do they have day? Whatever you would call it. Moon day, moon night. <laughs> um, but okay, sorry. I, I just had to get the, the, the nerd in me out there. <laughs> so, But you can still order Dark Side of the Moon, and I'm, I'm cool with that, because that's that's Pink Floyd, which I'm totally down with. Awesome. So, that said, if you want to get a summary of everything that we kind of talked about, uh, if you want, if you got ideas for future topics, if you have questions, want to tell us everything we got wrong, <laughs> um, anything like that, definitely you can reach out and contact us at the unsophisticatedpalette.com. Um, please subscribe um, and rate us well. That helps people find the episodes, helps more people discover us and enjoy. And until next time, drink responsibly. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.